You know Ooh. what I have been listening to a lot of is the Sex Pistols, which is totally really? different than what we're going to be talking about. But Yeah. Why have you been listening? To the, I'm not complaining, but why the Sex Pistols? For like absolutely no... Because they're not rad? Like, yeah, because they're the Sex Pistols, and it's been a long time. I mean, I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah. It's like I, I have to... I did a once through. I did. Through, I went through a whole bunch of Motorhead, and then I was like, "Ooh, it's time for Sex Pistols." Love, love that. Which is then just gonna hey, coming to up Ramones. on verse, chorus, verse. Sven and DL are back, and they're talking about the band that made them what they are. That's next. That's safe to say, right? Don't like I feel like Dave Matthews is responsible for seventy eight percent of our friendship. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Did he did he send me a check or something? And then like I, <laughs> like he's He been, paid you to be my friend. He was like <laughs> No, I like, you know, bought my bought my house, made all my no. No, I see what yeah. I would say um that's accurate. It's fair. It's fair to give Dave Matthews credit for our uh, like partial credit partial yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit hey welcome to verse chorus verse episode 168 i am dl with me is Svend, car crash canutes and Svend. how are you doing tonight jesus 100 and what how many episodes 168 jesus fuck you have been busy isn't that crazy that's insane that's I, insane i find it i find it to be insane I was about to say that I've been busy because you asked, but but I haven't done 178 anything's. Uh, what have you been busy with? Um, I've been making a lot of music. I've been making a lot Ooh. of music and I'm making a lot of art. Kind of, um, uh, yeah, just dumping. You're, are you separating music and art? Sometimes no. Sometimes the art actually um, leads to the music. So like, I've got a bunch of like cover art I make and sometimes I come yeah. up with cover art and I'm like, that needs a song so that it can actually legitimately be a thing. So you'll do weird? the cover art first. Not always. That's happened. I think twice. That's a little uh, Bowie-esque of you. Twice. T <laughs> you have twice been Bowie-esque. That's pretty twice. cool. Which is more <laughs> than I've ever aspired to be, but I'm so very um, excited that you think that. You you said you've been making music. What what music, pray tell? Um. Well, okay. The winter solstice, or the day before, twenty first, December twenty first of twenty twenty three. I put out a single, uh, warmer yeah. place. Um, a little reggae. Kinda, it's reggae. Yeah, it was yeah. something that was just fun. I've been making a lot of just fun stuff. Um, I've I've. There's some deeper darker things coming um i started working on a country Ooh. album and uh, put it on the shelf after recording three and a half songs halfway through the fourth song i kind of had a mental uh i don't know episode I had a little breakdown and had to shelf the project for a while because it started getting it started getting too much about me which i don't like to do in music <laughs> <laughs> i like just nonsense fun <laughs> um, I hate to I hate to break it to you, Sven, but that's what the people want. Yeah. Well, that's instead, where the good what I've started doing. From. Then I shifted over. I'm now um, 
I'm about halfway through a nine song lo-fi album um, where I, I, I took love a concept lo-fi. where if I was to give an extraterrestrial a tour of Earth, but this alien only speaks lo-fi, how would I do it? Now you're kind of going Bowie again. What's the deal here, Sven? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going crazy. So we're just waiting for you to to design a five-string bass. That is what we're doing here. Not design. Just put the guts back inside the one that's sitting gotcha. over there. I, I ripped all the electronics out because it had this horrible hiss. And well, coming at you, 2027 is going to be <laughs> the song you know with what? the Aussie. We should... We should. We did a song that I think it's almost finished. It just needs some polish and then a final mix and master. And it's a cover song that. Oh, maybe we should get some opinions. Ask the YouTube world. Should we put out "Dig a Pony"? Yeah, we did a rendition of uh, a, a kind of a lesser known song from this band back in the '60s that not many people have heard of. But the song's called "Dig a Pony." And, They're not even like a uh, band anymore, so like no. they wouldn't care. No, they wouldn't. Um, like yeah, half of it's, them aren't alive. It was. I think it was one of those things because I've always been a very big "Don't Cover the Beatles" guy. But yeah. it's such a. But then you cover them, and you're like, you know what? This doesn't matter. Like none of this matters. You know what like, I think? That- the, it's it's like doing a jazz standard. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. like going up there and and doing Night in Tunisia. It's like eight million. It, it's just yeah. lore. That's what I love <laughs> about the Beatles songs. They, to me, are like the most coverable songs because they are all so good. Doesn't matter the artist. Like, any artist can play a Beatles song. Yeah. And it's it's going to be a, an amazing song. We yeah. only need, What do you need nowadays? Like 1.5 million Something. to make a couple so hundred bucks? Or? If everybody listening, when we put this out, like, <coughs> puts it on repeat while they sleep and while they're at work and just let it run. Yeah. We got this. We'll make out. it happen. Uh, Sven, you're back. It's good to have you. Uh, I, I kind of, even though you were leaving this year, I very sneakily started v- very early on last year, putting it into your brain that you were going to have to come back at least like three times this year to talk about one very specific band. And yeah. it worked. You're here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. You didn't have to twist my arm that hard, though. I mean. No, you were pretty excited. This is going to be a good chat. I mean, I feel like this was one of the main reasons why we wanted to start this in the first place was that at some point we knew that we were going to be able to cover DMB together. Heck, yeah. You know, and I think artists, just talking artists, all the artist dissections we've done, um, I think have been some of my favorite conversations. And also my, my favorite, like, look back and like remember stuff about the artist that like got me into them for sure. Yeah. So last year, any of you people that are new to the podcast, welcome. I know we're full video now, so we're probably going to have some extra listeners, which is awesome. Season four is kicking ass. We're taking names. We're talking 1994. Uh, we already covered stone temple pilots. I want to ask you how are, uh, scale one to 10, uh, where are you at with stone temple pilots as a fan? Um, I've always liked STP. I'm not like an expert. I don't, I can't, I can't like rattle off facts like about the band or anything. I'm not that, that level, but, um, 
I don't know. We used to cover some of their songs. Their songs are fun to play. I like to listen to them. I think I've, it's that era of rock play. that I just love almost everything from <gasps> like that <clears throat> mid '90s. What did we cover by Stone Temple Pilots? Didn't we do? We probably did Interstate Love Song at we some did point. Interstate, we must have, and there was one we more. I thought we did. Probably did Plush too. We might have done Plush. Plush seems like a no. us song back then. No, huh. something I don't remember. We don't know what it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> we were for too all busy you people that getting shot new, glasses thrown at our heads in dive bars. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but at least we were getting drunk. Um, last year, even though it's only audio, you can still go back and listen. Sven and I covered Dr. Dre. Sven and I covered Tupac, and Sven and I covered B.I.G. Those were three of the funnest conversations of last year. They were so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So this year we're kind of doing the same thing, but it's all revolving around one band. That's right. We are doing three episodes. They're all going to be on Dave Matthews Band. And this is how we decided after a while of talking to do it. Episode one, tonight, we're talking Dave. Just Dave. Just the man that started, that writes it that uh uh has a i always knew he that's just, he's just a fucking interesting dude sven he is he's you know you know like the guys that like you know deep down down inside they're like a really good dude they're really awesome and they're not an asshole but they are an asshole yeah it's like that <laughs> yeah i was i wasn't gonna point no fingers <laughs> But like Dave Matthews <laughs> pointed it for that, you. Like he cares so deeply about yes. humanity and so many humanitarian issues. But at the same time, I think he, he's self-described as an asshole. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite quotes of his was it's, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along. They, I was watching an interview with him and in the interview. We asked like, what do you want your le- legacy to be? And he said, I just want the people that I love to not think that I was too big of an asshole. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's all he's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. Pretty awesome. <laughs> so tonight we're covering Dave. Uh, we are going to have an episode uh, in the next quarter. We'll have another episode on Carter. We're, we have to talk about Carter. I don't know. I guess that that's going to be a two parter because I don't know how we're going to only talk for an hour on Carter Beaufort. I'm not sure that's possible. No. And then the third one, we're going to do the whole rest of the band. So we'll try to cover, you know, all the guest appearances, uh, Stefan, Leroy, Boyd, all that in one, which I think we can do that. We'll, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're talking Dave. Uh, it's about time. Look, this year is all about 1994 and the album that put Dave on the map this year. It's under the table and dreaming. That's, you know, what would you say? Satellite. Th- these are the reasons why these guys got globally epic. And we'll talk about how it's insane that a band like this got so big in the poposphere. Mm. Yeah. Trademark. Trademark that word. Poposphere. Poposphere. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pop a sphere. Uh, Sven, we got to get to the most important part of the night, which by the way, I don't know if you know this yet, but this hmm. year on the pod, 
in honor of your retiring, even though you're coming back every now and then to help us out. We have officially changed the most important part of the night to the Sven Knutsen most important part of the night. What are we drinking? <laughs> Sven, what are you drinking tonight? Oh God! Okay, let. I've got my cooler has been downsized. Yay! Oh. It's, it's a much smaller. It's like a a baby cooler now. I can actually hold it up and show everyone. It's not a giant freaking ice chest anymore. You're um, older, so you drink less. Is that what's going on? Something like that. Um, but I'm still drinking beers. And we I like beers. I haven't like switched to like, I don't know white claw or anything like that i'm still oh well that's good you know um mm, but Daggerfall, i think I, I, yeah i've brought this up before it's it's my go-to ipa that's and a great nuts, beer because it's 100 ibus like you you can't it's find a... this is their flagship they the, their main beer that sockeye brewing in boise idaho brews and it's 100 ibus it's, that doesn't awesome. overpower for you like it's not oh no. I wish I could find, and the th- the cool thing is, like a lot of ones that you get up in the '80s and '90s, they're like nine percent alcohol. They're just, it's crazy. Yeah. They're like double, triple IPAs. This is just six and a half. It's it's just the the lightest little beer, but with a so it's bunch just of hops. hoppy, watery goodness. It's hoppy. It is malty. It's got a little sweetness, but most of all, I just mm. I like that like pine tree dank kind of. Yeah, like I do too. Resiny kind of. That's that's this for me. I've been getting back into beer a bit. Um, yeah, that does that that doesn't sound so bad to me. I could drink that. I'll, yeah, six pack in the mail tomorrow. Yay! Um, I'm I'm going a different route. So I have been on it. Well, no, I don't want to say I've been on a kick, but in the holidays I was on a champagne kick, like kind of a big one. And, uh, I'm over it, but the problem is, is that I bought way too much champagne for new years because, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, everybody's going to come over. We're going to party. And of course, you know, you drink maybe half the champagne that you bought. So I'm still on champagne. I made myself a French 75. So that is an ounce and a half of gin, some lemon, some simple syrup topped with champagne, uh, Sven, they call it a French 75 because it was invented during World War One. It was named after the 75 millimeter shells because the drink fucks you up. So, <laughs> yay. <laughs> it's, it's fancy looking too. Or yeah. you get a fancy glass with it. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. Sven's got his IPA, but I am going to uh, cheers with something special because my dear friend that we we started this podcast together, it's now in season four. Uh, Sven's not going anywhere. He's still going to be around occasionally. So all of you Sven lovers, who's basically all of you, um, I'm taking a cheers. Hey, Sven, <laughs> cheers to, yeah. Oh, speaking of... Yeah, some pure nonsense. I've got my pure nonsense shirt on in oh. honor of you, Mark. Yeah. I figured he's he's got to be a Dave fan, right? I, you know what? I can't wait to read the comments <laughs> and find out because <laughs> you know he's going to be like the first one. It's going to be stoked. the weirdest thing if he's not a fan of Dave. That'd be weird. I feel like we have to like ask him on for a segment on like part two of this just to ask why if he's not. Yeah, 
Don't lie just to get on the podcast, Mark. Um, <laughs> or ask hey, for a clip. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> cheers to you, Sven. Cheers to Mark. Cheers to the fans. Uh, ew. Cheers to the listeners. Good God. Don't ever use that word. Hey, we're going to take a break, and then we are going to talk the man, the myth, the legend, Dave. We'll be right back. We are back, everyone. Dave Matthews, huh? Born in Johannesburg in 67. And then uh, I didn't realize that he moved and then moved back to Johannesburg. He like bounced I, around a lot. Yeah. His his dad his dad worked for was it IBM? Right? His dad worked for IBM and then yeah, he, for like he sh- ended up working for him. Yeah, for a short time yeah. in the States, but then they went back. I know like Yeah, so he had to bounce around a lot and then And they were in the UK for a while too, right? Like the kind of Yes. South Africa, yep. England, US UK. Yeah. And, yeah. And then uh back to South Africa, but then the uh draft started happening there, so he took off. He bolted and uh it ended up in the good old VA and was uh completely freaked out. He kind of ended up in a, a much more rural, 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 rural area where he didn't, yeah, where he didn't really know anybody. Um, and that was 85 was the conscript, conscript, Jesus Christ, I swear I'm not drunk conscription. yet. Conscription was in 85. <laughs> it's so he ended up in, knocked you back. it, it kind of did. Um, yeah, real, a lot of really interesting stuff from when he was a kid. Ended up so, in Charlottesville, but... One thing I couldn't figure out because I I saw this date. So eighty five was the conscription. He he didn't want to get drafted into the army in South Africa. I saw yeah. somewhere though that he naturalized into U.S. citizenship in nineteen eighty. So like I'm, I don't. I'm there's a there's a portion of his story that I can't find. Like the eighty well, to eighty five. Like how. Cause, Did he go back? And even though he was a citizen, and some I, I'm sure that there are some absolute Dave heads that are watching this. But I believe that his family was in America before because of his dad's work. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they did that. They stayed for a certain amount of time so he could get dual citizenship. I'm sure mm. they they had to have seen what was coming in South Africa coming because everybody did. Yeah. Because it was a goddamn like, you know, that's the thing is, you know, Dave's a unique character. We'll get into all the reasons why, but or or examples, I guess you should say. But this dude grew up in South Africa at a time where it'd be like growing up in the late sixties in America. Yeah. Like when, well, even like take what was happening then in the Southeast. Yes. Like take what was happening with like Malcolm X, multiply that by 10 as far as violence. And that's what he was seeing in South Africa. Yeah. Like just disgusting shit. And his, but his parents were Quakers or like he was a pacifist. He was a pacifist. So he, he couldn't even fight. Um, you know, if he got drafted, it, it was against his religion. And it was actually really, I think it was it was becoming really popular for people to skip out on the draft. Because I, I don't mm-hmm. know, I think people were starting to, like, realize how effed up it was. And just didn't want to have any part in it, right? Like, yeah. I, I, no, yeah. Yeah, you know what we shouldn't do? We probably shouldn't, like, own other people and, you know, 
like kill them because they aren't white and, and treat <laughs> them like they're not people. Yeah. It's yeah. weird how suddenly one person says it. It's like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think you're, you're probably right about that. Yeah. It definitely shaped, I think his perspective. I love, I love the times that he actually, he, he avoids political discussions or political endorsements, like except for the John Kerry campaign where he like went, full out but yeah for the most part he's really careful he campaigned a little for obama too but that's it yeah yeah but when he does (coughs) speak out especially on like social issues i think he has one of the most unique perspectives and i always love to hear how he weighs in on whether it's race rights gun rights that like any of the debates that we have as hot topics if dave matthews does an interview or releases a statement i'm i'm super like curious I always have to see what he yeah. has to say. Yeah. There's a little bit of, do you think that once you get as rich and famous as somebody like Dave, are you even like, no matter what you do or what you say or what you believe, are you always just going to have a little bit of that? Like this guy is, he's just out of touch. He's a jackass who can say whatever he wants mm. because he's rich and famous. Like, you know, you know what I mean? I think like the, the richer and more famous you get, the harder you have to work at staying in touch. So the the people that do the work, they're in touch. And you can obviously tell when someone opens their mouth and they're disconnected because they say stupid stuff that all the rest of us humans are like, where did that thought even cut? Like, yeah, it makes no sense. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, he, and I think he does. He does the work. He works harder than a lot of people in his tax bracket um, at staying connected to real issues. You know, that's a, actually that's a good point. You were talking about how you could have left it just that he works for somebody in his tax bracket. He works his ass off. Yeah. Like these guys tour, and it's, these guys could have stopped touring twenty years ago and been oh. millionaires upon Retired millions, early. and just yeah. But they they go on the road, they do these, you know, they, they tour all year. They do these like three nights in a row shows where they're playing their asses off for three hours. And yeah. Like they work their fucking asses off, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, what, what, what I love about that is that I think, and I think, I don't, I don't know, because I, I haven't lived that, I've always dreamed of living that life, and I always imagined what it'd be like, of like, yeah. that, that line blurring between work and play and life and career, yeah. and I think that happens when you tour that much, and you're that good at it, and then you make that much money, and you don't stop, and obviously you're not stopping because, you know, you, you don't have to work anymore, you're doing it now yeah. because... It's, it's like, it's what you do. It's part of your life. So that, that kind of blurs that line where it's not like a job. This is just, you exist to do this. And it also doesn't seem, and I could, I could be totally wrong about this, but it doesn't seem like they've become the machine that a lot of bands that have toured for as long as they have become. Whereas I don't feel like for Dave, if they just quit one day and they're like, Hey, we're, we gotta be done. I don't feel, I feel like it would affect probably 50 people's jobs but not like 325 like a metallica or something like that you know what i mean i i do 
I'd be really curious. I that's that's something I wish I would have researched before this, um, because they. I mean, now they've been overtaken. We've we've got some huge live attendance records that have been broken. We're not going to get into that because it leads yeah. into the you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> she did a great job. They did a great. Anyway, uh, <laughs> for the longest time, they held like the most profitable like touring band record. Yeah, of all time, like in or in North America, I guess I don't know yep. stats worldwide. North America, highest paid touring band in North America. Like, I I I totally forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> their their gorge shows alone, they, like their okay, yeah, their oh. annual three day, man. So the the staff size has to be somewhat significant, but I don't know if like it's you know like you were talking about like is it like this giant machine. They probably don't have quite well, it, as much of like you the look press at their stage and, and they don't have a marketing. ton of pyrotechnics. They don't have a yeah. bunch of fancy like they have cool lights, but it's nothing fancy. You yeah. know what I mean? And they, like, they aren't marketing the hell out of their tours because their fans are checking their website. They don't have to market. So they don't have like a uh, no. giant marketing machine doing ad campaigns and social campaigns. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure they have those people, but I don't think it's quite the 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 size and the like, you know. They put yeah. all the work into what's on stage. So so Dave ends up in Charlottesville in 91. He's bartending. He's going around the bars. He's doing all that stuff. And this is where it all happens. As a pretty typical, stereotypical band would. You know, they're all playing in bars and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> eventually, it's Tim Reynolds who's... I, you know, what's funny is... I, I've always considered Dave. Dave is the reason why I play guitar the way that I play the guitar. And obviously we'll get into all that later, but I think Tim Reynolds is the guy that I have forever just been. I've been watching since I was as young as I can remember being in complete awe of. And Tim Reynolds was the guy that for a long time I tried to emulate when I was playing guitar. Like I learned a lot of my licks, my blues stuff from Jimi Hendrix but when I heard, well, we're going to get to the, the Dave and Tim Luther College. Yes, we will. Our dynamic was fairly similar to, you know, me kind of. Dave so, and Tim. Yeah. Buh, 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 buh. Dave and Tim. And it was Dave so long Tim. before Tim actually officially became a member of the band. And. Yeah, it, which which is weird because he played with them forever. Yeah. Like, he, he was on Red Rocks. He was on all the... Like, he, he played with them the whole time, so I don't know what the deal is. But the funny thing is, is... um, So here's... I'm going to tell you a story. There's a kid, and he sees this guy playing the guitar, and he sees that his hands are like going like seven frets around like all over the place like what is Sounds it like, like robert fripp did i just i you stole, stole your thunder you stole my thunder no 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 no. tell the story it's, i no 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 no. you're because sven knows the story because he's a goddamn genius but robert fripp of king crimson is the reason dave matthews plays like that is the reason that i play like that so I saw Dave doing this shit with his hands. Like, what 
it doesn't make sense. So but, unnecessary. But it sounds so, it does bring a different sound. Like there's something about it that makes it sound different. And I loved it so much. And apparently that's Dave's exact story with Robert Fripp. He saw Robert Fripp doing it and was like, oh. And it's true because I really do think that that's the reason why, you know, all rock music, all pop music is done in A or C or whatever. But for some reason, Dave, and I, I'm sure part of it is just the brilliance of the band, but I do think it's the way he plays his chords. They end up being like A flat. And you know, like, like shit satellite? that you don't hear. Yeah. Why is it A flat? <laughs> Nobody wants to play, or I could say G sharp. Nobody wants to play a friggin' song in G sharp. You go to a piano player and like, hey, I got this new chart. I got this new tune. You want to play along with me? Yeah. What key is it in? A flat. The planet. The piano player is gonna shoot you. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think it. I think it's that's one of the reasons why a lot of their shit works. Yeah. And I don't I don't think their shit would work if it wasn't for the fact that the band was so good, but that's where a lot of the the unique sound and writing comes from is just that weird decision to you know, I and and Dave talks about it in interviews how people are like, you know, you could just Exactly. Play. <laughs> I remember like listening to him and I'd learn songs like listening. And then I'd look at his hands and be like, why is he doing that? You could play those same two notes like right here. Just You just got to yeah. go down another string and then it's like right there next to your other finger. You don't need to do, do this. But like I think from a creative perspective, like a songwriter to write, when you step outside of like traditional chord voicings or even because even if you voice a chord the way Dave does, even if you do it where your hands are – close together fingers are close it's still not a traditional voicing of a chord no but i think he invented new ways to voice chords because he was just trying to try out this cool like wide spread out finger thing get all this coverage and so you have to come up with different notes to play yes yeah and i want to get into that a lot more later and we are Um, but that's as far as Dave's playing, I think that's, that was the birth of it. And I think it mutated and grew into something completely amazing. Uh, but so Sven, do you remember what got you into Dave or when you started getting into Dave? I'm pretty sure it was your fault. Yay. I'm pretty sure. Sweet. You and another Probably gentleman like, named Brent Berg. We were starting a band, and I was like, hey, let's play this song. Let's play a bunch of these songs. Let's play, yeah. like, Jimmy Thing or something like that, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, It wasn't my first introduction in, to Dave Matthews' band, I think, because, I mean, since 94, he'd been on the radio. But all I knew about Dave Matthews' band was like Crash and Satellite and yeah, you know, like what would you say the shitty and, songs? Um, and they <laughs> what were would all, you say is amazing? But yeah, I know I mean, what you I, mean. Yeah, they're they're all I think they're all great songs, but they were all just like the the radio two minute like yeah. okay, it's another. And I was really into like the grunge stuff at the time that that stuff yeah. was coming out. So I was like, yeah, it's just like light a 
like I don't know. I'm not old enough yeah. to like that yet. Yeah, um, satellites coming out the same time that like sex type thing is coming out. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. When, when you started wanting to play some Dave Matthews songs, though, I think that's when, and that was also right around the time Listener Supported came out. Um, yeah, and yes, so that was, it was my second like reintroduction to Dave Matthews band was that live album. Yeah. And actually, no, I think, I think Brent played for me like the live red rocks or like we had it on in a car driving on our way to one of your houses or somewhere. He might be the one that showed me red rocks for the first time too. He might be. So I think once I heard the live versions of some of the same songs I'd heard on the radio and ignored, I was like, wait, what is, what is that? (laughs) That's that's like five minutes longer, <laughs> and yeah. there's yeah. so much more going on. There's like more stuff. Um, yeah, and that's where that was the first time I realized it was kind of like tipping my toe into the jam band scene, like that. Like you know, I was I was already kind of like on my way to being a fish head, but yeah, you liked fish. That was very much like, okay, that was like post, you know, all the deadheads just kind of yeah. went over. Yeah. To, so I had I had these older brothers that were like huge Grateful Dead, you know. And so when... Because I remember one of my first things fish, is thinking, one of, one of my first thoughts about you before I knew you was, who's this fucking kid that's coming out of band wearing a fucking hoist t-shirt all the <laughs> yeah. fucking time? Like what the... Like that's not a with, band with nerd. one dreadlock. Like, yeah, what's going on here? I remember that <laughs> Chinese Norwegian hippie. <laughs> yeah, and then once I realized like Dave Matthews Band was like, like, like that's what they did. I was yeah. hooked because because I mean like it offered so much. I. I I'm, it's gonna sound like I'm bad mouthing fish, which I no way am, and I'm not intending to do that. But like, it just had it offered so much more. I was also a huge jazz head at the time, and Dave Matthews' band was so jazzy when I heard all like their live yeah. stuff. I, I, yeah, I just it took so long for me to put all those pieces together in my head to realize like you can do that with music and and be pop stars and like be like mainstream and you're not just like this jazz thing that like. Only this little niche group of like, you know, jazz heads. Like. Yeah. No, um, it's I. There's something about Dave Matthews Band, and I don't know. I I actually attribute it more to the rest of the band than Dave. Mm-hmm. That there's something more. Uh, there's something more rock about them than the other bands. And I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah. we're going to talk about one specific member of the band in our next episode when we talk about Dave that is kind of like, <laughs> if if that guy exists, you just have to listen to him. Like, you know, if you're Dave Matthews, you wake up every day and just thank fucking God that Carter Bulford's your drummer. But, <laughs> but, but then you also I, make sure that you show up at the studio and tell Carter, hey, play less notes on the album. <laughs> You played too many notes yesterday. Yeah. Today, you're playing less notes. We're going to get this track recorded. Maybe. We might. <laughs> or we will just loop the the like the simplest um, thing that you play. 
Sorry. Yes. I'm getting a little. So, so, no, no, no. no. It's very <laughs> true. No. Um, it, it, we'll. T- I think we're going to talk about that more in another episode. But no, we, we're going to talk about it a little bit in this one too. But first, uh, 1994 rolls around and Under the Table and Dreaming comes out. Uh, which before that something else happens. And that is that Dave's older sister gets murdered by her husband who in a, like a murder suicide thing, which is just fucking nuts. Uh, very nuts. Uh, so he dedicates under the table and dreaming to her, uh, his younger sister, Jane and him start raising Anne's kids. Uh, like just, the dude has had an interesting life. Mm-hmm. Like, Super. That's crazy shit. It's, um, that's like, that's like movie script kind of stuff. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. To have all so, those combined things in one person's story. Yeah. Like everything that he's got. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy, so the guy starts, a, the guy has a jazz, jazz, a jam band. They come out with Under the Table and Dreaming, and it's massive. Like this, this Virginia jam band becomes one of the biggest bands at a time where rock was just... I mean, we're covering 1994 this year. 1994, the reason we're covering it is because there were 150 fantastic albums that came out that year. And these guys are one of the like top 10 biggest and they're a fucking jam band from Virginia. Like, yeah. How does that happen? I don't like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Well, you know, this is, well, let's see here. We, we have, we haven't started talking like albums and stuff, but I, I think really quickly, it's kind of, I'm jumping ahead, but then I'll, I'll roll myself back. That's all right. I think it's one of the big reasons is. <gasps> when they chose Steve Lillywhite to produce that first album. Really glad you brought up the Lillywhite sessions because I would have totally forgotten. The Like when they were interviewing people and trying to find the right producer, he was the one that came in and, and said, I don't want to change anything. Change nothing. I yep. want just what you guys do on stage. You're I just so want to get right. that on tape. That's, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But it's got to be possible because there's tapes and there's microphones and there's all the stuff and you guys just do what you do. And I think no other band was doing that. All the other producers no. were like, here's how you make a rock album. Come I'm into the so studio. I'm so glad you, you brought that up. It's th- so true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're this, yeah. There's this jam band that comes in and everybody was trying to figure out how to make them a three-minute ditty band. And Lily White was the one that was like, no. We don't do that. You, yeah. Sven, do exactly what Sven said. We we take what you're doing live, which if you listen to, um, what's the their first album with the thing with the like eye thing on the front that has like song that Jane likes and uh two. This is really pathetic that I don't uh remember this... two things. I hope. Oh. I think I think that's right. It's got like, you know, those, do you remember in the nineties, those eye things where you had to start with your nose on it and then you took it out and it was like a 3d picture. Yeah. The 3d thing. (coughs) It's that. Yeah. Well, if you listen to that album, it's a bunch of live shit in 93 where they're just like 
you talk about, could you imagine being able to be a person in 93 in Virginia and walking into a bar and seeing that? Yeah. And like, and yeah, Lily White was like, no, that's what we need. That's exactly what we need is that on a CD. And I think he would just make them do that. And they'd, they'd, they'd arrange a song they'd play and he'd be like, no, just, just keep playing it. You're not just keep going. And they keep going, they keep going. They'd make these songs, just keep going on the same song. And about the time this was, I think this, this was from like a, a GQ interview that Dave Matthews did, which is really weird that how I was watching a GQ interview, first of all. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and second what? of all, that he was the, yeah. Anyway. On it. Um, that the guy that wears pajama pants and <laughs> fucking button up shirts is on right? GQ. Yeah, pretty weird. Uh, but Steve Lillywhite would just like make them Paul make them play. Just keep yeah, play more, play more until like it it they they just start it start falling apart and <laughs> be like a horrible take and be like okay that that's when you know you're done. We'll take that last oh, one. That's, so it's that's like the one all right. So when t- so t- take seventeen. It starts to get bad. They're just like, okay, so take sixteen is the perfect take. Yeah, like, and that I think kind of thing. that's why there's some stuff that ended up like even under the table and dreaming. There's some stuff that ended up in there that's like Dave meant as just like an ad lib. <laughs> Didn't think it'd end up on the album, but then it's on the album. Or like the Do you mean, like, uh, like what? Well, I um, I don't know. Let's see. What was the song? I'm like pay for what song. you get, maybe. And this is me guessing. I have no idea. Maybe. I'm or trying to like think. Num- of... Number thirty-four. Thirty-four. Cra- oh, crash. You know the line at the end of crash. Crash was on crash. It was on crash. <laughs> it wasn't on under the table and dreaming. <laughs> I'm not sure if you knew what album yeah. crash was, so I was just gonna let you know it was on crash. No, I know. It. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm trying to think of one from that <clears throat> album, but I couldn't. The only one I could think of was. The story you told about Crash. What uh, what was it? That line at the end, the hike up your skirt a little more, show your. Work. Oh yeah, the, the 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 line that makes everybody go. Oh wait, this it's music isn't sex. romantic; it's perverted. <laughs> and he meant it as a joke, like in one of the takes that he thought was a throwaway, but they ended up <laughs> using the take. The band's like, the "That's rad, dude." And he's like, "I did it on one take, one time, as a joke," and then it ended up. And now the whole world thinks that you're a pervert. I'm a pervert. But I don't think he ever took any of his lyrics like super that serious. He's got some terrible lyrics. He really does. Um, let's get into I I think we're we're about at the halfway mark here. I want to talk about some specific songs and why why they're incredible, what it is about Dave on these, and uh we'll talk about lyrics, guitar, all that stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, you were asking about those pictures? Yeah. Top one, Yeah. Doug Marsh. Second one down is Andrew WK. And Love it. The one right below it is uh, his backup singer, Andrew WK's backup singer. All three were ones I took... <laughs> Um, you t- I was going to say, I bet you took them, huh? Yeah. And that was when I got to like follow Andrew WK around backstage for a while. The dude is weird. If we ever do an episode well, on like, not like surprised about that. weird musical personalities, <laughs> he's, <huh? laughs> let me tell you, he's a professional. 
We are back. Hey, everybody. Mr. Dave Matthews. Um, Sven, I know for a fact that you have zero interest in any Dave Matthews studio albums. How do you know that? You've said it many, 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 many times on the podcast. <laughs> um, so let's cover it. Let's cover it here. A two-part question, which mm-hmm. is hopefully I'm just going to wind you up and let you go. Number one, are there any songs studio that you are like, okay, that's pretty fucking amazing. And B, what is it about the live that you just, you just can't get over to listen to the studio? Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I guess the first part is a short answer and it, I'm going to do my best to give you a complete answer, but I don't think it's going Love to satisfy it. It, in true Sven form. Um, yeah, you're going to be political about it. You're No, not political. Well, you're going to be a politician about I'm it. I'm going to be a politician about it. I, the, like, you're going to be a Buddhist. I'm going to be a Buddhist. The studio, the songs themselves are great. Like, I think that's my problem with the studio albums. The songs are great. Oh, the execution and <laughs> delivery is, I know that it can be better live just because gotcha. I've heard it live. And then there's some songs where like, I, I know there's members in the band that have even like gone back in later on in interviews. being like, I wish we could go back in the studio now that we've toured with that song and go record it for an album. Like here's, here's a proposal. What do you think about this? If we could get this, we could get them to do this. You know how there's like the Taylor's version of Taylor Swift albums? What if Dave Matthews went back and they were like under the table and dreaming the the later year attempt kind of thing? How fucking cool would that be? I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, we've we've been living with this th- these songs for thirty something years now. Here is our new studio take on it. But here's my spin on it: is that it's done in front of a live studio audience, kind of like the MTV Unplugged albums, where yeah. all like how MTV did that with like a small or, studio. But no, even better, the like whole... the uh, what's what's the jazz group called that they do the things where they have the recordings and they have a bunch of people listening to headphones. Uh, um, uh, snarky puppy that does that snarky puppy. Thank yeah. you. God, good poll. I would have never gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, but they have to, it's not like a <clears throat> concert where they come up with a set list and do like all the normal stuff they do in a show with all the covers and other, you know, transitions yeah. and things, but it's just like, they play all the songs in the album. They don't have to be the same length. They can take liberties with the songs like they would live because mm-hmm. that's that's my favorite part is like t- to me, they're still a jazz band. Like I, as much as this they is a brilliant rock, idea. We need to contact them. And t- this is a brilliant idea. I'm so, I, OK. I would be really surprised if someone hasn't pitched it to them and then been yeah. shot down already. Like, why, Sven, why would they not have done you, this? What if we, you and we, I just do it? I f- what if you and I just say, let's come out with the Sven and DL version of Under the Table? Of and Under Dreaming. the Table, and j- let's do it. Let's do it. We will tomorrow. We start working on that mechanical licensing because it'll take us that long. But by the well, time it's I also, done, we also have a giant problem. What's that? Who? What drummer are we going to get to agree to play 
on a fucking Dave Matthews. Hey, we want to cover Dave Matthews for a studio album, drummer. Which you one remember, of you wants it? You remember when I when I wanted our band to cover Tripping Billies so bad, yes. and Brent was like, "No." <laughs> well, In that's his why defense, he he played it. He yeah. played it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he looked like he looked like he had just he looked like a fucking Vietnam War vet when every time we were done, but he, he fucking aged, played it. He <laughs> aged like ten years every time we had to play that he like, song. W- he like wakes up at night now. He's like, oh, tripping billies. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> That's so fucking good. <laughs> well, see what we do since it's the <laughs> it's the Dave and Sven version is we use a drum machine. Yeah, that's what Carter Beaufort is. He's a drum machine, but in like human form. Well, the kind of so here's my question about their later year stuff, and I, we'll just get to this now. Yeah. Do you think? I have I have a theory, and I think the theory is okay. Here's here's my thing. I call it the Harry Potter syndrome, and the problem is is that J.K. Rowling. She got so big after like the second book or the third book that people did, she did she didn't get edited anymore. Mm. So her books became these like 700 page non-edited babbling of bullshit. Yeah. And I I think I just lost I think I just lost like half our listeners. Sorry. No. I'm not shitting on Harry Potter. They're great, but people still Dave like okay. Yep. I don't think Dave <laughs> is edited anymore. I don't think anybody is really in their ear being like, guys, like, like you're Dave Matthews. Let's the, can we, can we, you know, and then, and then, yeah, what, to what you were saying is there's dude to have a, to have a drummer like Carter. And then like the album that they came out with the last year, walk around the moon. And there are songs where there's a fucking drum machine. Like what, what have we become here? Like, what are we doing? I, see, I don't. And I think. I think what happened is, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like they get over edited. I feel like, okay, like the producer in the studio is like, okay, guys, that sounded great, but it sounds like everything you did in the '90s. So we here's what we're some, gonna do oh. to make it fresh. It's 2020. Okay. You know, we gotta make it updated for now. And so here's what we're gonna do because this is what all the bands do now, and. <sighs> Um, drummer, that's really great. You just go hang out over there. We've got this loop we're going to drop on the album. You'll still play it live, but for the album, we've got this little sample pack. (laughs) (laughs) We just throw some MIDI and like a little drum machine and then, okay. And then, uh, yeah, you know, like get a couple horn hits. All right, that's good. You guys are done for the day. We'll just like pitch those around. Um, I'm not down with it. I'm not, you know, and it, it, it's expecting, I I don't know, maybe it's expecting too much. I, I don't think, the, think it is. I like, think it was a slow process to get to where like that extreme now, where I first started noticing it was back on, um, what was their fourth album called? Uh, it was, uh, not, it was the one after before these crowded streets, right? Uh, it was, day. uh. Um, every day. Yes. Every day, good job. Right? Yes. Okay. Every day. So on, which is a really day, good album. It's a solid album. There's a, there's, there's a violin part on there that 
and I, I when I heard it, I thought it was a loop, and I later learned that Boyd was actually playing it, but Are the way you, they wrote I, it was they were recording, and the producer heard like one little snip of violin part, and he clipped that, looped it, and was like, Boyd, can you just play that? So basically, I think you're it's talking. Like, are you talking about American Baby? The I think so. I don't remember which song it was on, but that because it sounds, sounds like the, looped. That sounds it like sounds the rhythm looped. that you just yeah. And yeah. I thought it was a loop, but it's it's he, he's playing it. But the way they wrote it was they took a piece of something he played, like in a recording, and just cut oh. the middle out. And was like, hey, can you just play this part over and over and over? And that was like, he just plucked it and that was the thing. And so once they established that that sound, Interesting. then the next time it was easier to just be like, well, you don't even need to play it. We'll just like, you just this, this, we'll just loop this. And then, yeah, it's like a slippery slope. And I'm, it is. And I'm a person that uses <laughs> all of those magic tricks. Like I, Sven, I, you, everyone you does. Don't, right. Sven, you don't have st- Stefan Lassard and Carter Beaufort. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Like, it, it, what, let me ask you. The, okay, to don't don't defend them. Like, I'll ask you this, Sven. If you got a band in a studio that you owned, and your rhythm section was Carter Beaufort and Stefan Lassard, would you be using a drum machine? No. Don't don't fuck it. Don't try to be fucking whatever you hear. You know the answer is no. Wait. You know the answer is no. Did Carter program the drum? <laughs> is your is no. my drum machine the Carter drum machine where it's the Carter snare? <laughs> Are the all Carter... the buttons broken now because those giant freaking biceps just pounded the crap yeah. out of all the little yeah. drum parts yeah. on this little drum pad? And... Do I have seven hi hat buttons where I can just? <laughs> Yeah, all those like trap hip hop producers that use like the little auto repeat oh. to make the little like symbols. Like Carter yeah. just rolls one off. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, we're not talking about Carter. We're talking about no, Dave. but we're bad at this. We're bad at this. It's really hard to not talk about Carter Beaufort. Yeah. Look, we haven't even gotten into specifics about Dave, and I don't know. We're getting to the point where this might be a double parter. So you're gonna have to bear with us. I don't know. Like, what have we? What are we on here? We're forty-seven minutes in after a thirty-minute. This is a double parter, isn't it, Sven? I don't know. My audio's been recording for an hour and a half. Yeah, this is totally a double parter. Okay, so we're gonna take one more break, and then we're gonna do an intro to part two of Dave. And I I know what some of you are saying is this is supposed to be a Dave Matthews episode. Well, here's the thing, people. Dave Matthews band is Dave's band. Dave writes the fucking music. Like we knew what this episode was going to be. We knew what we were getting into, right? I had no right. idea. I'm just like <laughs> flying by the This is a live album for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh we'll take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 